Well, good morning. Man, did we have a great week this last week or what? Yeah, Easter celebration, just phenomenal. I mean, we were wall to wall. I don't, I mean, I forget the number. Yeah, 4 million something. Yeah, yeah, 1167. And uh, again, Thursday night, we just a huge blowout here as we did a walk in the word thing. James McDonald came in and just an awesome challenge this last week to celebrate the salvation available to us. That was Easter. And then Thursday night to remain under well, you know, in the midst of tough times to see what God's doing, to see how we can glorify him and display how awesome he is in our lives. What a great one, two punch of celebration this last week. I can only say this in the midst of meeting him, we do not remain unchanged. Do you know what I'm saying? That was a double negative. So we will change to the positive. Okay. A story. Here's an email I got this week, uh, kind of put together pieces of it, just pulled it together. So it's nice and short here, but thank you for a wonderful Easter celebration. It was poignant and personal. I confess that I couldn't cheer during the final moments of the service as I was fighting back tears. Jesus has been my Lord for over 10 years, and it's been a crazy good experience. But I've been going through a stressful period of time. The music was fantastic. The spirit was tangibly present. The message, blah, 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 was superb. I won't, whatever. (laughs) I heard through tears streaming down my face as the crowd was cheering. I heard through my own stubbornness and supposed obedience. And for that moment, I knelt and submitted to his perfect providence, provision, and protection. I can say this. God has made me reflect him a little bit more yesterday than I did the day before. I have hope that each day will make me a better reflection than the prior day. Thank you. He's using you. He's using the harvest staff and families. He's using the harvest body to bless his people. God at work. God is at work in this place. Amen. I'm telling you, when God moves... You will not remain the same. Here's the question. So how can we work in conjunction with him? As he's moving and working, what can we be doing to continue to celebrate that faith we started last week? As we're moving into this fresh faith sermon series, what's the next step after celebrating? We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 to 25, and uh, we're just going to learn what our next step is. The ushers are going to be coming forward. They've got some Bibles in their hands. So if you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. We would love to get a Bible to you. Okay. We're going to be walking verse by verse through this. Just raise your hand. First Peter chapter one, verses 13 to 25. We're simply answering the question. How can I come alongside of God working in my life? First hope set your hope fully on his grace. We're going to have four points this morning and each one of them is a command in this passage, an imperative. Peter's writing some things and he gives us some great info and then he says, "Do this." 
This is the first do this command. Set your hope fully on his grace. Okay, let's start in verse 13. He says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being somber minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, I didn't make it up. It's right there. Set your hope fully on the grace. Therefore, that's how he starts out, right? So when we see the therefore, we say, what's the therefore, therefore? So if you haven't been here for a while or you haven't been with us at all, you're visiting, that's what we say. What's the therefore, therefore? Why do we say that? It's a connecting word. It's saying there was some stuff that we just got done discussing. And because of that, here you go. Okay. The passage we're going to be looking at today is because we just got done celebrating the salvation we can have in our almighty God, because we just got done lifting the roof off this place, here's some things we can start doing. Okay. Therefore, preparing your minds for action. Okay, so this is an ing word. There's a couple ing words that are coming up here. They're going to help us. They're going to give us some clarification about how we go about doing it. Preparing your minds for action. The King James Version says, girding up the loins of your mind. Right? So you go, whatever that means. Actually, it's probably the most accurate translation. What they were really saying in the original language was, hike up the tunic and tuck it in your belt and get ready for war. The tunic of your mind. That's what he was saying. He's saying, hike up the tunic of your mind, tuck it into belt and get ready. Your mind must be prepared for action. That's the call. Be prepared for action. Well, how do we get our mind ready like that? A lot of it was going through what we went through last week. Recontemplating and remembering what God has done for you, who he is, what he's accomplishing, where he's headed, what his goal is in your life. Prepare your mind for action. So that's the first ING word, preparing your minds and being sober minded. Okay, the opposite of sober is drunk. Okay, that's real. That's really what they were trying to get at. They're saying, don't be drunk when it comes to your mindset. Don't have this distortion of what you're thinking. Don't have this cloudiness about what's going on. Clear thinking, sober-minded, very aware of God at work, where he's trying to move, what plans he's got, what he's doing in your life. What is his call for me? No distortion in the thinking, fully prepared for battle. That's what he's saying. Be prepared. Nice Boy Scout term, right? Good for us too. He says, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you. Set your hope. You have a choice. You get to place your hope where you want it. Set it in the right spot. Place that hope where it belongs and nowhere else. Place your hope fully, completely, 100%, nothing held back, everything focused here. Set your hope fully on the grace that's going to be revealed at the time of Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. Where's your hope? 
put it in the right spot. It's a choice. It's a daily choice. It could be an hourly choice or a minute by minute choice. Are you being distracted by the junk of this world and beginning to put your hope somewhere else? I hope they start respecting me more. It's about what they think of me. I hope I can get a little more cash in the bank. It is about my bank account. I hope my possessions can increase. Looking for that bigger house, that better car, that vehicle that can carry nine kids, that whatever, right? And we start putting our hope into stuff and into relationships. And it can distract you from the very focus you need to have. When he says, set your hope fully on the grace, what he's saying is, look forward to the time where that grace will be completely revealed. Are we experiencing grace today? Are we experiencing grace today? Absolutely. But I got news for you. He's not telling you to put your hope there. It's not that it's a bad thing. It's a great moment of Christ at work in our lives. But here's what he's asking you to do. At the revelation of Jesus Christ, that grace, when grace is fully revealed in its maximum sense, our Lord reigning King of Kings and Lord of Lords, when he is in that moment and you've experienced salvation to the fullest, when you now are saying not, it's something I dream of, but it's here. I am perfected and I'm standing before him for all eternity, life with him. That grace, put your hope there. Do you hear it? It's not about the moment by moment little things in this world that give us just an inkling of who our God is. Just just a moment of what he could be like. It's about the unbelievable eternal perfection that we get to live with him for all eternity. Place your hope there that's worth hoping on right that's worth hoping in as we set our hope we need to set it in the right spot hope it is everything did you know that if you misplace your hope you can actually tear yourself apart how do i know if i'm misplacing my hope you know i just wrote down two things How do I know if I'm misplacing it? First of all, you got to check the where. Where is my hope? What am I thinking about in my daily moments of dreaming? When I dream, what? Money? Stocks going up? Friends thinking of me, respecting me? What am I thinking of? And the second piece is the impact it's having on me. As I'm reflecting on that, is it calling me closer to the cross of Christ or closer to the world and the stuff? Those are some easy little acid test questions for you to just say, what's it on and how's it impacting me? Check your hope. It's important. You know, there were some scientists that decided to figure out the value of hope. So for those of you that are animal lovers, just bear with me in the story, okay? They decided to use some rats in their test and they created two giant vats and filled them with water and they put the rats in two sets of rats, equal health, all that stuff and set them in the one vat of water. They didn't touch the rats. They just left them in the water. They couldn't climb out. They had to just keep paddling for life. The rats lasted no more than an hour. 
and every one of them drown. With the other vat, yeah, so all the animal lovers are like, this story stinks. (laughs) All right, I appreciate it. I get your point, but they drown, okay? (laughs) The other one, here's the hope side. They reached in and they'd grab each one of them after every few minutes and they'd give them a chance to breathe and they'd give them a chance to rest and then set them back in. And they grabbed each one and did that as they walked around. And what happened was every single one of them lasted over 24 hours. Hope. They had hope of that hand from above coming down to pull them out for even just a moment. Hope. It's not unlike us. We must make sure we've got hope. But it's hope in the Almighty and hope in the eternal and hope in the future. Hope brings your effort levels up. Hope brings your ability to stand under and remain under up because you know the Almighty is at work in your life. Hope. Set your hope in the right place fully on the grace that will be revealed at the coming of Jesus Christ. How are you doing with that? I mean, just take a second here. Where's your hope at? Think about it. What are you hoping in? Yeah, I kind of hope in Jesus, but maybe I'm a little bit more distracted than I should be. Just make a goal this week to say, Lord, I'm going to try more than ever to make sure that my clear focus is you. I'm going to hope in what you're doing both now and forever. May I lean upon you. And however you want to display your glory in me, Praise be to God. Set your hope in the right place. That's our first step, hope. Second, holiness. Be holy for I am holy. Holiness. That's the second point. Be holy for I am holy. Check this out. It says in verse 14, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, You also be holy in all your conduct. Holiness. It's effort on our part. It's something we do need to be trying to go after. It's something we do need to put the effort into. He says, as obedient children. Okay, so first, children. We are adopted ones of the Almighty. He is holding us in His hands. He is caring for us with all He has. He loves us to the depths. We are His children. Now we're called to be obedient children okay and how do we define obedience like in our home we define obedience not as you did what i told you to do that's not obedience it's and the heart was in the right spot while you were doing it okay that's a big difference you can be going to do what you're supposed to be doing in the entire time you're like whatever i can't believe i have to do this and now you get done doing it right was anything accomplished in that well i mean a little was we got the house clean right But the child is sitting in a spot with absolutely no heart growth. Our goal for obedience is the proper heart in the midst of it. When they say as obedient children here, when Peter's challenging that, he's saying, make sure your heart's in the right spot. I'm not talking about being ready to do what he's saying to do. That'll come. Make sure your heart's in the right spot. The next step is going to be to follow through. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the body acts. 
Like we do follow through with our heart. And when we're not following through with our heart, we're creating a great hypocrisy in our own life. And that angst for our kids is a big problem. Let's raise our hearts up, not just our actions, okay? So when he says, as obedient children, it's hearts and actions. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. (laughs) This is not a kind phrase. You know what I'm saying? You know, when you were ignorant, you you had some some hungers. Don't don't go back there. That's what he's saying. He's saying, when you just had absolutely no clue, when you didn't get it at all, there were some things you wanted. Why are you going back to that? Don't go back to clueless land. That's what he's saying. Please stay off of that. It made sense to you then because you didn't get it. Don't go there now. The hungers you're feeding are not going to help you out. He says, don't go back to those passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Conduct. In other words, the outer actions. He's saying, yeah, it's going to bleed through to what you do. Your heart needs to be in the right spot, but it needs to bleed through. How does it get that way? How does our heart get there? We just start making ourselves do it. We just start muscling it. Well, he says right after it, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. You're going to meet the one who is holy. You're going to interact with the one who is holy and I'm going to rub off. This comes from Leviticus 11.44. And actually the first phrase in Leviticus 11.44 says, For I am the Lord your God. Your God. You see, as you interact with me and I interact with you, I'm rubbing off on you. The holiness of me, the passion for rightness within me, it's going to become a part of you. Over time, but it's going to become more and more each day. Each day, we reflect a little bit more of him. If we do this, if we go after this, he says, don't go back to those passions, those former ignorances. Do me a favor, Kim. Can you stand up? This is not rehearsed. Kim's freaking out. (laughs) Come over here. You can set your stuff down for a second. Okay. When we have this situation in our life where we have our former ignorances and our sin. I'm sorry, Kim, that's you. When we have that, if we get too close, go ahead and reach around me and grab me, Kim. We can end up, I chose a big guy. And, okay, that's good. (laughs) We end up trapped in our junk. And this is what we look like. And we put ourselves here. Okay, you can let go now. That's a good job. Now, if I step aside, I go, hey, I'm out of it. Go ahead and reach over. I'm not too far out of it, am I? And now Kim grabs and I'm back in. Here's the real challenge. When it says stay away from it, it's not talking about trying to hang as close as you can and see what you can get away with. It's talking about this. There's no way I'm going anywhere near. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? I'm not hearing it. Are you seeing it? That's where we're going. Okay. Thanks, Kim. I appreciate it. Let's give Kim a hand for just stepping up. I'm telling you, a visual is needed on it. I sat there wrestling this week, and I know Kim sits second row, so I thought this will be easy. But a visual is needed 
for us to understand how much we must stay clear. That's what he's saying. You have got to stay clear of the junk that used to be where you came from. Forget the hungers that used to be fed. You know, the things that used to build me up and make me feel good. The things that used to show me off. The things that felt good. Remember the stuff of the world? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's separating ourselves from that. That sensual stuff. The sexual stuff. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's just the way you talked and gossip you shared in. What stuff were you a part of that was destructive? And it was a part of just not getting it. Well, now that you get it, it's time to let it go. But more than let it go, it's time to separate as far as you can from it. Be holy. For the Lord your God is holy. Let his holiness rub off on you with all you've got. Let his holiness rub off. Let's just do a quick review. We go back to October, November. Remember the series Fight Right we talked about? I'm just going to give you a real quick summary here, okay? Three words. We talked about battling the world, the flesh, and the devil. When we start saying be holy, that call is everything. It's massive. And if you go after it the wrong way, you can really confuse yourself. So we broke it down into battling the world. That's the general landmine Satan sets out to blow us up. Battling the flesh, our own weakness, and battling the devil. Satan's specific attacks against you, knowing your strengths, knowing what you have, and trying to tear it down. So battling the world. What's the number one way we do it? Worship. Notice the W's. World worship. It's knowing and adoring him. Spend time with him. Relate to him. If you're going to battle the world, you best do it through knowing your Savior. Worship him with all you've got. Okay? That's the best step for being holy. In battling the world, it's worship. Battling the flesh. If you are going to battle the flesh, the number one statement, flee. Run. You don't stand strong in the midst of your own weaknesses and go, hey, I'm going to see how tough I can be here. It's really tweaking me and I really want to go after it. And let's see how long I can stand here and hold up. Bad plan. Okay. That plan says I'm going down eventually. I'm just not sure when. Okay. The plan is run. So flesh is flee. Notice the F's. Notice the W's, right? Like easy ways to remember. We're going to battle the world. It's worship. We're going to battle the flesh. It's flee. We're going to battle the devil. These attacks coming in, these lies from the pit of hell. It's his number one attack against you and me. And as he comes against and whispers the junk, we must declare what's a lie and declare the truth. It's D, declare. It's know your word and bring it to bear. That's what it's about. That's battling the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's five weeks brought down into three minutes. So if you weren't there for that series, you can get it online. We got a great new website. Steve talked a little bit about it. Um, we got those, those sermons up on there. Pull it down. Listen to it. We walked through five weeks in detail of how to battle the world, the flesh, and the devil. Be holy. It's a great statement and a great call. I'm telling you, you won't get there if it's just muscling it yourself. It is about getting to know the one who is holy and having him alter your heart for all eternity. That's what it's about. It's about the Holy Spirit sanctifying you, to put it in Galatians terms, right? So let's keep pulling all our series together. Let's not walk through these and then each week it's just a new thing and we forget the old stuff. 
It's about the Holy Spirit changing us. It's about a work that we can do in conjunction with him. Battle the world and the flesh and the devil wisely. Go after be holy in a way that will so honor God. He says, be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Have you met the one who is holy? Have you met him? Are you in awe of him? Then you haven't met him enough if he's not. It's time to be in awe of his amazing righteousness. Pour over the word and see the clarity of who he is. And go after relationship with him. My question to you is this. What is it you need to be walking away from? What is it in your life that's mirroring the old life? And it's time to let go. Get a grip on it and then lay it at the foot of the cross and say, because I know you, Lord, I want to let this go. You know what it is you're letting go? Get it and set it down. That's what it's all about. Be holy for I am holy. So first is hope. Second is holiness. Third is fear. Conduct yourselves with fear. I'm not making it up. It's there. So let me read it. Verse 17. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of exile. Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of exile. He says, if you call on him as father who judges impartially. In other words, if you are calling upon the Lord God Almighty and you are saying, you are my God, know this. He also sits as judge. He will judge our deeds. It says he will judge. So conduct yourselves with fear. Conduct. Act outwardly with a fear, a respect and an awe. That word does mean that. But it also means a proper understanding of the power and the authority and the cost of not. There is an element of truly a little bit of shaking in your boots as you look at this. We need to make sure we understand not just the grace and mercy, which we love about our Lord Jesus Christ, but his righteousness and holiness of the almighty father. He does sit as judge. It isn't just one big grace story. It is grace and truth. It is the love of our savior and the righteousness of the almighty. And the two come together with an awesome plan. If God was all just grace, just think about this for a second. If he was all grace, no need for the cross because he wouldn't be demanding any payment. He would just let it go. He'd just say, I forget it. He's not compromising anything because he isn't righteous anyway. He's just love or mercy or grace. But he's more than just grace and mercy. He's also righteousness and holiness. And that demands perfection and payment when it's not there. And instead of compromising his character in any way, he holds it all together. How does he do it? Check it out. It says, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. Ransomed or redeemed, some of your, your passages say. Redeemed or ransomed. Jesus' blood as a payment for what we owe. Just a little side note, theological here. Okay, ransomed. We think of ransomed and we think of like somebody being held hostage and a payment gets made for it. Okay, be careful with that. Here's what's really going on. 
the righteousness of God the Father is holding us in penalty, in owing. And Jesus and his payment is replacing and releasing us from. He's actually working with himself to resolve full character in himself and allow us a loving relationship with him. You're like, does that matter? It does matter. Because some people have actually said, we're being ransomed from Satan. That's junk. Satan has no authority, just so you know. Satan is a created being. He's nothing. God has no effort put out whatsoever to deal with Satan. That is not what's going on. God's holiness, now that's something to be reckoned with. God's righteousness, now that's something to be dealt with. And as God is dealing with his own righteousness and holiness, he himself makes a replacement payment for us. Now that is some deep theology that ends up changing our lives. That's what's worth celebrating. When it says ransomed and redeemed, know this, God working with himself to resolve in the midst of himself a love for you and how not to compromise his character in the midst. That's a plan. He says, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. What were we ransomed from? Feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. You know, things like, you need to be good. Maybe you'll be good enough to get to heaven. You need to dress right. If you're not wearing a tie and you're in church, you're in sin. I'm not wearing a tie. I don't believe that. But people talk about, yeah, you're not in sin, Mark. You've got a tie on. You're good. (laughs) Right? When we talk about sin, when we talk about getting right with God, a lot of times things get made up. Well, you need to have water poured over you. We call it baptism. If you don't have that, then you're not. And all of a sudden we start making these lists of things you have to do to be saved. When really, when we look at scripture, it says that you need to believe that Jesus is God and that God raised him from the dead. And you need to confess with your mouth that he is your Lord and you shall be saved. Let's not add to it. Let's not change it. Let's not go after the junk that our parents may have taught us, that our grandparents may have taught us, that we may have gone through in some tradition in a church we were at before. Whatever it was you were learning that didn't say it's about Jesus Christ and him crucified. I need to believe in him and confess him as Lord. Anything else is unnecessary. Let's not go there. Right? Amen? Amen. That's where we're at. Purity in our walk with him. Purity in following what scripture says. That is what it's all about. It says the precious blood of Jesus Christ was used. Not these perishable things like silver and gold, but precious blood of Jesus Christ. With the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Precious blood. Do you have that view? Or is Easter kind of this thing that comes up once a year? The precious blood of Christ. No life without it. No hope without him. His unbelievable gift for you and me. Given. That gives hope. Gives a chance of holiness. But it is important that we respect with fear. And a great understanding of him as judge. You know. Before we step into these next verses. I just want to make sure we clarify a little bit. You can turn with me if you want. If you don't want to, that's great. I'm just going to read it real quickly. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 
verses 13 through 15. It's good to hear the pages turning. 1 Corinthians 3, 13 through 15. All right, when we talk about judgment, what are we talking about? Let's bound this thing. Let's not walk away where we're wrongly thinking about it, okay? Verse 13. Each one's work will become manifest. It will be shown. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. This is talking about, in the end, standing before Jesus Christ, judgment. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. This is being written by Paul to a bunch of believers, and he's saying, I want you to understand this. There will be judgment. What you're doing with what God has entrusted to you will be evaluated. And know this, you can suffer loss. What you do can be burned up. If it's pretty much all about you, it's going to burn. Okay? That's what it's about. So if it's about selfishness, if it's about showing you off, if it's about comfort for you, it's going to burn. That's what he's saying. It's, are you reaching out for him? Are you looking to display his glory? Is it all about growing in him? That's what's going to remain. But remember this, burn or not burn, it's a reward or a lack of reward. It's a... It's an element of, as, as Paul says, you're going to suffer loss, but you will not lose salvation. Please hear that. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 1, right? When we trust in our Savior, we do not stand in a position where we will have a chance at that salvation being lost. That's ridiculous. His blood, our change, all eternity. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. But know this, we're still held accountable for our actions and we can experience a suffering of loss, a lack of reward, a lack of position. I'm not sure exactly what it looks like. He doesn't really go into depth on it, but he does say this. If you're not necessarily following through, you will be disappointed. It is going to be checked up on. It does say that. So conduct yourselves with fear. I got to be honest with you as a pastor. I prefer not preaching these moments because they're not the fun ones to hear. Oh, great. Now it's going to be evaluated and inspected. You know what they say? We used to always say this in engineering, right? You only get good out of what you inspect, not out of what you expect, right? It is going to be checked on. God is working with us. And there will be a moment where he reviews with each of us how we're doing. And if we've trusted in him as our savior, we stand in this spot saved for all eternity. But there is a moment where reward beyond that is something that you can have or lose. That's what he's talking about. Understand the God you're dealing with. Understand the immensity and the awesomeness, the greatness and the vastness, the infiniteness of our God and respect him and stand before him. Conduct yourselves with fear, saying, God Almighty, I want to please you. You are an amazing God. And I know that I have a hope of no condemnation. May my works be an awesome thank you offering to you. I know it'll never say thank you enough, but may I just say thank you with my hands and my feet and my lips and my mind. May all that I do reflect you. That's the plan. Amen.
That's what we need to be going after. Conduct ourselves with fear. Now he goes a little bit further on that and gives us a little bit more info about Christ and his shed blood. Verse 20. It says, he, Christ, was foreknown. This is back to 1 Peter. Okay? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for your sake. He was foreknown. Remember back in verse 4? It says, we were foreknown if we trust in him. He knew us before the beginning of time. It says here, he knew Christ and he knew the plan of using Christ before the beginning of time. He was working with what he foreknew from the beginning of time. He foreknew the foundation before the foundation of the world and he was made manifest in these last times for your sake. Jesus, right here with us, the Messiah, the Christ, the Holy One, who through him, we are believers in God, who raised him from the dead, God raising him from the dead, and gave him glory so that you have faith and hope in God. It's about a trust and a hope that we can have in him. It's about an amazing opportunity with him. It's about please respect how great he is, how awesome he is, and how much he's working in your life and work with him accordingly. Okay, so here's a lame example. How many of you were ever in woodshop class in high school and you had to watch those safety videos? Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, the kinds where they show the safety video and it was like made in the 1960s or 70s. And so like this block of wood would get shot through a guy's abdomen but it looked like ketchup poured all over everything. Do you know what I'm talking about? It was like really lame, but the whole point was to show you that a table saw could hurt you. Do you know what I mean? And so basically everybody was joking about it for the next two weeks after watching the videos. But what was the point? The point was to say, while this tool has a great usage and can accomplish great things, you can be hurt if you're not using correctly. You can be hurt if you don't understand what's really going on. You know what? Peter's kind of saying... This is sort of a little video warning for you. You do need to be aware. We serve an awesome, mighty God who's got a great plan. And he wants to work in your life in ways unimaginable. You don't want to miss out on that privilege and opportunity. And please know this. If you begin to head your own direction, there is some cost. You can suffer loss. Conduct yourselves with fear. Get some respect for who God is. I love the grace and mercy and love of our Lord and Jesus. It is the provision at the cross. And because of his unbelievable willingness for grace and mercy, we're told right here, because of the grace and mercy and love, it should cause that much more respect and awe for him. May we love our Lord and conduct ourselves accordingly. So we have God Almighty bringing hope, God Almighty bringing holiness, and God Almighty bringing a healthy fear to life with us. And the last piece, love. Love one another. Verse 22. He says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. That's our fourth command in this passage. Get on it. Love one another. I mean, this is what he's saying. Your heart is being purified as you begin to obey. As you begin to do the things you're called to do, he begins to help you separate from the sin that's been affecting you. 
the junk that has you muck, caught in the muck and the mire of life, you begin to be separated from it as you obey him and follow him through the tough calls of life. When he raises up a tough moment for you, it's not because he goes, ooh, I didn't think that would be hard for you. Sorry. Instead, he's saying, it's exactly what was needed in exactly this moment to begin to purify exactly as what was called for in your life. Come with me. Walk with me as your soul is purified with him. We have an opportunity to reflect him more each day. It happens as we go through the purifying factor. He says, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. As that heart is purified, as you grow to know him more and more, turn that outward. He's basically saying, you need to make sure you're caring for those around you. Look left and look right. Go ahead and do it. Look left and look right. I have you do this a lot. Have you noticed that? Like he always has us look around. You know why? Because it's not just about you. It's about us. You hear it? It's not just about what God's doing in your life. That is an awesome thing. But it's about what is he doing in us corporately as well. It's about how are you doing and caring for those around you? How are we doing and being a body that is love? Can the church at large be honored by who we are as a local expression? Can this community learn who Jesus Christ is by watching us interact with one another? That's what he's saying. Make sure that we reflect the very love of the Savior. That they can see us caring and go, wow, something big's going on over there. That's what we need to be about. It says, love one another earnestly. Not love one another a little bit whenever you've got the spare time and try to give a little at the end of a month. See if you've got at least one check mark. Love one another earnestly, passionately, giving your time, pouring in. Lord, who do you want cared for today? Where, Lord, can I be reaching out? How can I be loving someone else? A lot of times when we read this, we say, love one another earnestly. Yeah. Who's loving me? (laughs) Right? Isn't that what we do? Who's going to reach out to me? When really the first question we need to ask is, yes, who do you want me reaching out to, Lord? Don't get me wrong. We need you covered too. We're going to care for this body. But the best way it happens is we all engage. We all care. We are an army on fire for Jesus Christ and caring for one another. That's our call. This place goes nowhere if this body is not protected and cared for. Love one another earnestly. It says, since you have been born again, regenerated. Remember, we talked about this back yet last week. Born again, given new life, brought from death to life. Since you have that love and that life poured into you, turn outwardly and pour it into others. You have life. It didn't come from perishable things, but it came from the imperishable. Jesus Christ and his shed blood. Through the living and abiding word of God. Hold up your Bibles. This. This is where life comes from. This is where love comes from. This is where hope comes from. From the living, abiding word of God. May we pour through his word and learn. Amen? This needs to be our light and our lamp. This is his very words. It is alive and on fire. It is active. It is sharp. It is going to direct. You can go ahead and put your Bibles down. I appreciate it. 
Let's bring our Bibles each week. Amen. Let's be working through the word each week on our own. Amen. It's saying the living and abiding word of God forever. Why do we waste our time going through the Bible each week? Uh, Because it's living and abiding forever. Show me a magazine article that can compare. Right? I'm not going to be walking through stuff that in the moment in time washes away. We are walking through what is eternal, what is abiding, what is living, and God Almighty's love letter to you as he says, I want for you the best you can have. This is his love letter. Are you ready to read his love letter and be changed for a lifetime? That's what we're talking about, right? We walk word by word, verse by verse, phrase by phrase through this word because it's alive. Amen? Welcome to Harvest Bible Chapel. That's why we're doing what we're doing. It's not like we made it up. Hey, this would be a cool thing. Let's try it. Right? It's real. We're looking in the scripture and we're seeing how amazingly powerful his word is. And we're saying value for life. We're told in Timothy, preach the word. That was the command. Done. Preach the word. Right? That's where we're at. The word is living and abiding. It says, all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, the magazine articles are worthless. But the word of the Lord remains forever. That's why we're walking it through. Amen? That's who we are. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. You have life through knowing him. You have hope through knowing him. May you read his love letter and grasp the love that he has. May you read his love letter and say, I need to be loving those around me. How can I be loving? Here's a couple thoughts. I just wrote down some real simple practicals. Ready? Some ways to be loving in this body. Uh, reach out to someone. Introduce yourself. That's an easy one. A lot of faces. A lot of people to learn names of. You can even lead with, I know we've met before. I'm sorry, can you help me remember your name? My name's so-and-so. Don't forget to give your name because they're going, how do I ask them what their name is? Okay. Reach out. Introduce yourself. Learn the names. I mean, like, learn them. Like, three weeks later, you still know them and remember them. Look for them. Reach out. There's a lot to knowing a name. Include them. We need to include one another in this body. We've got awesome opportunities in group life. We've got Pastor Kent, who's running small groups. We've got stuff coming up for being plugged into small groups again, coming up here in May. So signups throughout April. We're excited to get you plugged in to this body. Be included. We have formal things to be included in, like small groups, but include in the informal things too. I'm going to McDonald's. You want to come with? Do you know what I'm talking about? Include simple things. You can buy them a salad if they want healthy stuff. Include them. Care for the needs. You know, James is really clear. Faith is nothing if you're not actually caring for the physical needs of the people. Let's care for each other as well. And then weep with those who weep. Laugh with those who laugh. When you see someone hurting, hurt with them. Hear from them. Listen to them. Pray for them. Long for them. Include them in your life in a way where you're reaching out. And if they're laughing, laugh with them. Listen to the story. 
hear God at work. It's really not too hard to reach out and love those around you. It's an awesome opportunity for us to simply say, God has touched my life. I'd love to reach out and help touch yours. We have a chance to display his awesomeness. We have a chance to know him a little bit more, to be changed by him a little bit more. And in the moment that a core of our heart has been impacted, we have a chance to turn and be a little bit more reflective of him. And each moment of each day that we reflect a little bit more of him, he gets more glory. And that's what it's all about. Our plan is to become one giant mirror as a body reflecting the almighty. Are you ready? Are you polishing up your little portion of the mirror? We need to look like him. We need to act like him. We need to think like him. We need to talk like him. We need to be Christ in this world. Hope, holiness, fear, and love. These are our opportunities to reflect the very character of the one who's changing your soul. Let's meet him and let's share him with those around us. That's Peter's call. Let's pray.